Welcome to Continuum, a podcast dedicated to your health. We'll introduce you to individuals throughout the healthcare world, from patients to providers, with a focus on inspiration and education. In this episode, we speak with Mandy Bodily Bartram and Valerie Pasno. Mandy is the Vice President of Infection Prevention at Vibra Healthcare, and Val is the VP of Clinical Development and Operations. Mandy and Val join us to discuss sepsis, a life-threatening medical emergency. Mandy and Val explain what sepsis is and how we both treat and prevent it. The COVID-19 pandemic has impacted our ability to capture the high-quality audio you're used to expecting from Continuum. We apologize for the inferior sound quality of this episode and hope to return to bringing you new episodes from our studio soon. Okay, thanks everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Val and Mandy are with us again. Uh, Mandy Bodily Bartram, DNP, NPH, RNCIC, FAPIC. And she is the Vice President of Infection Prevention at Vibra Healthcare. And then we also have Val Pasnow, DNP, MBA, MSN, RN. And she is the Vice President of Clinical Development at, and Operations at Vibra Healthcare. And if it wasn't obvious by the amount of letters behind each of their names, they happen to know what they're talking about. And it's a good thing they do because we're talking sepsis today. And they're going to kind of give us a a general explanation on what's going on with sepsis. So thank you both for being return guests because you've been on our podcast before. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. It's, a, it's, it's really an honor to be able to sit and chat with you, as well as I so appreciate the opportunity to help give more information about sepsis. So it's Sepsis Awareness Month. What is sepsis? So sepsis, by its most simple definition, is a overwhelming overreaction that the body creates in relation to an infection, usually a bacterial infection. So um, in simple terms, you could say that people can have an infection and, you know, they nearly get very mildly ill. They perhaps will need some antibiotic and, and then it all goes away. But when sepsis occurs, the body, for unknown reasons still, has this overabundance of the immune system that will um, cause it to overreact, causing things, technical things called cytokine storms and problems with the patient's blood. It's really a very serious problem. There's a lot that we don't know about it yet. And that's where the biggest difficulty is because we don't know what sets it off. There's not a particular bacteria or virus. Um, and some people get it and some people don't. And so there's still a lot of research that needs to be done on sepsis. My next question is like, well, how would you, how, how would somebody get sepsis? Yeah, it's it's um, there's no rhyme or reason to it almost in that, you know, uh, take a, a bloodstream infection. You know, unfortunately, and Mandy can give you the statistics, unfortunately, patients will get bloodstream infections. And some of them become mildly ill. They're given antibiotics and they get better and they go on with their lives. While other patients will have a bloodstream infection and become septic and go into septic shock with a 60 
now that we have an idea of what what's going on with sepsis, what's some of the what's some of the data, or better yet, the statistics surrounding sepsis with our population? Yeah, so according to Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, around 1.7 million adults in the U.S. develop sepsis every year. So um, that's a decent amount of the population each year. And of those, about 270,000 Americans die as a result of sepsis. So we're talking about 15% or so of those who develop sepsis actually die as a result of it. So it's a very um, prominent uh, illness that results across um, the country. And the scarier stat here is really that about 33% or one in three um, patients in a hospital who die have sepsis. Oh. Well, if it wasn't if if it wasn't obvious why we should have a sepsis awareness month before, it certainly is now. That's yeah. wow. Those numbers are very interesting, and yes, as you put, very scary as well. Mm-hmm. When somebody when somebody has sepsis, how do we identify whether the person has it? What are some signs that that some key indicators? I'll say that someone someone would have sepsis. So I'll take this one. So sepsis is characterized by uh, what is known as the systemic inflammatory response syndrome. And that's the first uh, indicator that we use. Now, unfortunately, systemic inflammatory response syndrome, SIRS as it's known, is not unique to just sepsis. There are other disease processes that will cause that to happen. But some of the symptoms of that are fever, a decrease in urinary output, a lowering of the blood pressure, an increase in heart rate, an increase in respiratory rate, and an increase in blood glucose. And so those are the first signs that uh, someone may be coming uh, ill with infection and possibly becoming septic. There are degrees of sepsis. The uh, Sepsis Alliance and the um, other organizations that are doing the most research about this have determined that there is a, you can be in a state of sepsis without progressing and getting any worse, or you can progress to what's called septic shock, um, in which case the patient's blood pressure drops dangerously low, heart rate goes high, and the other organs of the body start to shut down and the patient experiences what's called multi-system organ failure. With most things in, in uh, healthcare, things are case by case, right? What, the way someone, one patient responds and reacts to something, is, it can be very different than, than another. Is there, is there a ton, uh, an amount of time that you have before realizing someone is septic? where it can go, you know, whether it kind of like a, yeah, threshold for like how long you have before it really can get out of control and, and you can't reel it back in. The key to your, the key to answering your question, Kyle, is, is very astute recognition of the very beginning symptoms of sepsis. If we can see it and we can recognize that this may be happening in the patient, we can then 
the most important thing for septic patients is massive doses of antibiotics, broad spectrum antibiotics. And so if we can recognize that it's starting to go down that road, we can then administer the antibiotics for the patient. So that, right. yeah, so that kind of, that feeds right into my next question, which is how is it treated? I mean, you know, you, so there's clearly you got to get, get on it as soon as possible. Um, and so broad spectrum antibiotics, a lot of them, anything else? Uh, and again, I know like it, it, it's predicated upon the patient, um, but of course we're speaking generally today, so. So, um, in terms of, you know, identifying and treatment, obviously, as Val said, um, identifying it early, being really astute to what's going on, um, there's actually a whole algorithm from um, CDC and CMS and others that really talk about how we go about identifying sepsis by um, using certain lab tests and things of that nature, the antibiotics and fluid. So um, high high levels and high amounts of fluid. And the goal is that we may give them too much, but we can always relieve that later. But um, if they die from sepsis, then that's, then we didn't um, do anything good for them. So it's uh, fluids, antibiotics, and really monitoring really closely, you know, all of their vital signs and making sure that we're providing, again, like you indicated, that patient-specific care as well. Um, anything right. else I'm missing, right. Val? No, no. I think those are the big things. So, Mandy, we've talked about, you know, how we can treat sepsis. And, and what all goes uh, in and around that. What about preventing it? Yeah, so there are things that we can do, at least especially in the hospital setting, to help prevent sepsis in patients. And um, in our hospitals, we do a couple of things. So um, first off, we have an antibiotic stewardship committee that meets and looks at the patients who are on antibiotics, why they're on them, and whether they're appropriate Um, We have a vast multitude of people in the hospital that are monitoring our patients closely um, using the shock index. And then the other piece that I kind of wanted to just briefly touch on is our programs around um, preventing bloodstream infections to begin with. So... In our hospitals, we look really closely at which patients have devices like um, for urine capturing or devices to help us um, provide fluids and other things to the patients through IV lines, special IV lines. And we really look to see if they're needed and look at how we care for those lines and make sure that people are doing simple things that like hand hygiene and um, wearing gloves and things of that nature to really um, help reduce the risk of us creating a bloodstream infection or causing sepsis in a patient that might not have um, had any other source of illness before. So um, we at Vibra really, um, it's a big focus for us to reduce those. And year over year, we've had great success on reducing those and creating better outcomes for our patients. So um, it's really exciting to see the positive things that we're able to do for our patients. But, you know, Kyle, there's one more thing that I want to I want to tell you about. You know, Vibra for since 2012 has been 
using what's called the shock index to help our nurses, our nursing staff to recognize uh, possible sepsis. And so this sepsis screen, including the shock index, is done on every single one of our patients, every shift in every one of our hospitals. Oh, wow. Over, okay. And over time, um, we have been able to gather data that shows statistically that utilization of the shock index has been very valuable in assisting the nursing staff to recognize that something is going on with the patient. They may not necessarily know or be able to specifically say what it is, but they know that something is going on. And the shock index is a very easy tool to use. It's literally your heart rate divided by your systolic blood pressure. Okay. And so, which is the foundation of all your hemodynamics. I don't want to, you know, start teaching a hemodynamics class today, but um, it is, it's, it's really the foundation. And so our nurses, our nurses check for the shock index every single shift. Okay. Awesome. So shock index. Now, is that something that is, uh, you, we would find in a, in a, in an acute care setting as well, or is this specific to post-acute care or, or, or is it even more specific to just Vibra hospitals? Uh, or do other systems have things like it? They just call it different things or have different methodologies. So there are many large, tertiary hospital systems that use the shock index as part of a biomarker system of things that they're looking for. Okay. Uh, and the shock index is one of them. I'm happy to say that mo very recently there have been some more studies done that show that there are increasing numbers of hospitals that are use starting to use the shock index specifically as a tool to look for sepsis, um, okay. where it, it seems to have a, a better sensitivity than some of the other uh, biomarker tests that they're, they're, they're using. Excellent. That is good to hear. It's very encouraging. Um, given that, again, as we learned earlier in the podcast, kind of going back through what we talked about, you know, there are a lot of unknowns. So, you know, the more thorough we can catch these things with standard screening and, and, uh, right. and uh, what sounds to me like a very um, short frequency of administering this screen is, is really awesome. Okay. So, so Val, you, you uh, mentioned some resources earlier when we were talking about sepsis for those who are looking to get more information uh, on this topic, where would you send them? Well, there's three main sources for good, good, reliable information about sepsis. One is the CDC. The second is called the Surviving Sepsis Campaign. They have done work exclusively in, uh, in developing protocols and developing guidelines for physicians on how to treat, recognize and treat sepsis. And the third is called the Sepsis Alliance. And all three of those organizations uh, gather data and produce a lot of very valuable information about the prevalence of sepsis and the treatment and trying to come up with good treatment modalities for, for the medical community. Well, with that, I think we have a, I think we have a good foundation on, on the ins and outs of sepsis. So I thank you both very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Kyle. And thank you, Mandy. Yeah, thank you guys.
Our guests today were Mandy Bodley Bartram and Valerie Pasnaw. To learn more about sepsis, check out the show notes on the Continuum blog at vibrahealthcare.com slash blog. If you enjoyed our conversation with Mandy and Val, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes as they're released.